الجزيرة بودكاست Nationwide strikes in France over pension reforms. That's as Parliament debates whether to raise the retirement age. President Macron and his government say the choice is reform or bankruptcy. But are the proposals unfair to workers? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help to define major global stories. So let's bring in our guests for today's discussion. From Paris, we're joined by Remy Bourgeau. He's Associate Fellow at the French Institute of International and Strategic Affairs. Paul Taylor is Contributing Editor at Politico. He joins us from Saint-Rémy-de-Provence. And in London, we've got Rainbow Murray, who's Professor of Politics at Queen Mary University, London. Uh, good to have all three of you. Welcome to the programme. Uh, we'll start with you then, uh, Remy. For the last decade, electorates in most EU countries have accepted a later retirement age, largely without protest. Why is France different? Do the unions and the public have the appetite, do you think, for a long fight over this issue? Well, pension reforms uh, is really uh, something in France that uh, stirs uh, debate. Uh, it's one of the uh, last uh, kinds of reforms and political discussions that really uh, raise uh, so much interest and, and passion. There's already, already been a series of reforms about every uh, 10 years in 1993, 2003, 2014, and, and this year uh, again. So it, there's a, a repetitive uh, aspect to, to, to these reforms. Um, the discussion is always uh, a bit the same. And a large part of this reform is about accelerating the previous reform and also uh, raising the retirement age by, by two years from 62 to 60. Uh, for uh, uh, years, uh, but yeah, there's there's a sense of um, of continuity of repetition with uh, this uh, these reforms and um, a general lack of economic uh, discussion about what is really uh, uh, being uh, being achieved and uh, a lack of understanding of the broader economic technological context, how much pensions are going to to weigh. Or not uh, on uh, on uh, uh, workers in the, in the future, depending on uh, the path of productivity, uh, economic growth uh, in general. So we have this very limited discussion uh, with a lot of uh, passion on uh, on all on all uh, sides, and uh, it's really uh, uh, I think related to the lack of uh, of um, broader uh, economic uh, discussion. And finally, you have these movements, unions, and also political parties that have lost in relevance in uh, in recent years in recent decades actually which really uh, sees on this opportunity to to come back to to the fore and and to be vocal uh, uh, on their side of the uh, the uh, the political uh, equation but, but but remy i come back to that question do the public and the unions have the have the appetite for a, for a long fight here yes i mean it, it's crucial uh, for for the unions uh, they, they have their Loss in, um, in 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 political uh, weight in, in recent years. It's crucial for them to to really uh, be uh, vocal, uh, to be heard on uh, on this issue, and for the government as well. Uh, they can't really uh, uh, go back because uh, they've already uh, postponed other reforms, and uh, this is really seen as as key. It's not as essential as it's claimed to be uh, economically. Uh, the current system is not as imbalanced uh, 
as is um, often said, uh, there's been this series of reforms already, but uh, I think the political messaging is, is extremely important on both sides for the government and uh, the unions. There isn't so much political um, opposition anymore. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds uh, of amendments that have been uh, proposed by opposition parties, but they are not that much key in the political um, uh, discussion. Simply the government wants to avoid uh, having to to pass this law um, uh, by by force, which which is allowed by the the French constitution, uh, so they they are trying to to get some some more support, uh, but they will have to 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 pass this law at at, at some point uh, anyway. Paul, uh, you wrote at, at Politico that Macron has staked his second term and his reputation as an economic reformer on raising the pensionable age. The question has to be. Why, when it's so unpopular, or at least appears to be so unpopular, with large swathes of the electorate? Well, you know, reform is historically unpopular in France, uh, and the French have a way of uh, protesting about it, going through this uh, uh, routine, if you like, almost a ritual uh, of strikes and dem street demonstrations, and then swallowing it. And I think that's what the government is ultimately counting on uh, to happen again. Uh, why? Because... Um, all of Emmanuel Macron's presidency, if you like, has been about trying to make France uh, a more modern, if you like, a more investable country, trying to get the economy growing faster uh, and trying to balance the books without having to cause deep pain. Now, um, he hasn't managed to balance the books, but that's partly been because of uh, the COVID pandemic, which has meant that nobody's been able to balance their books. And it's partly been uh, because of the war in Ukraine. But um, nevertheless, you know, his key economic reforms have been to get more people into work, to get unemployment down, um, and to, 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 to make work the centerpiece. And in this case, um, it's rather strange in a way that the French, they, they, they latch on to a symbol. They care more about uh, symbols than they do about numbers. Uh, if you like, they prefer demagogy to demography. You know, when, when pensions, uh, you know, when the retirement age was reduced to 60 by François Mitterrand, the, uh, the great achievement of the left in the 1980s, in those days, there were four active contributing workers for every one pensioner. And the average age of life expectancy was 74. Well, now, today, we have about 1.7 workers per uh, pensioner, and the uh, life expectancy has risen to 83. That's all very good, but some, somewhere you have to find a way of balancing these things out and expecting people in their early 60s to work a bit longer, provided French employers actually will employ them. And that's an important part which the government has, has yet to properly address, in my view, is to say companies really have to uh, step up to the plate. Stocks are trying to get rid of seniors uh, in their 50s, trying to get expensive old dogs that, that allegedly can't learn new tricks off their payroll, and then putting them onto the public payroll uh, on various benefits, disability or whatever, uh, years before their actual retirement age. Um, that's what needs to change. But, but and how, I think uh, yeah. that... Paul, how much of this is to do with, with Macron, though, and, and his legacy? Uh, uh, Remy was saying that, that the pension system is not as imbalanced as, as, as perhaps the, the politicians would have us believe. Does, does he actually need to do it? 
Well, it's currently in the, the pension accounts are currently in a slight surplus, but predictably, you know, on the on a, on a normal path by uh, 2030, they will be in, in 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 deficit, and that deficit will grow and then stabilize. So yes, that something does need to be done about pensions in the medium term. Uh, the question is: This the right time? Well, uh, you know, Macron tried a more ambitious pension uh, reform a few years ago, and then he had to stop. Uh, he abandoned it when when COVID struck. But essentially, he was in political difficulty at the time. Uh, so, you know, there's always there's always a good argument for postponing any reform. Uh, but I think that, that that France needs to grasp the nettle. The message: If Macron were to be defeated. If France were unable to raise its uh, retirement age to 64, when most of Europe is already at 65, 66, 67, I think would, would again send that, that old message that France is just ungovernable. And I don't think that uh, that would be to the country's advantage. Professor Murray, uh, Rainbow, do these reforms affect some sectors of society more than others? And if so, is that fair? Yes, this is one of the main claims made by the unions that these uh, reforms do have a differential impact on different sectors of society. They argue that people from the upper and middle classes who work in white collar jobs tend to be able to work for longer and to enjoy a longer retirement once they do finish working. Whereas people who are in more physically taxing jobs, a lot of manual labour, a lot of working class professions are more physically taxing and people find it difficult to work for as many years as people in less physically demanding jobs. And they also tend to have a shorter retirement due to low life expectancy. And so their argument is that this is a reform that has little or no consequence for people in cushy professions who were probably already working past the retirement age with little penalty. Whereas for people who are struggling and desperately looking forward to their retirement, this is an extra two brutal years that comes out of their life that they don't want to sacrifice. And so they say it's an unfair reform that unfairly penalises working class people. And it's unfair, I suppose, to the younger generation who are carrying the growing burden and who have to pay for the retirement of the, the older generation, which has, you could argue, acquired more wealth than the young could ever hope to acquire. Yes, there's very much an aspect of generational equality here. Um, as Paul mentioned, there is a decreasing number of people of working age paying for people of retirement age. And this is why retirement ages have been rising across Europe, because we have a growing number of people in retirement age uh, categories, partly due to um, growing life expectancy. And so if you don't reform this now, then that is a problem of generational inequality that will carry through. Paul, um, or rather, Remy, let me put this question to you. Um, President Macron has already had to make concessions to the unions and his political opponents. Um, will he, do you think, be forced to make further concessions? You said that, that it's inevitable. This is, this is going to happen whether people like it or not. But is he going to have to make further concessions, uh, perhaps back down entirely, as, as Jacques Chirac uh, had to do, um, or, as we were hearing from from Harry right at the beginning of the programme, will he be able to force it through without a vote? Well, forcing it without a vote is, uh, is always an option and he cannot really uh, uh, go back uh, at this point because 
uh, it's really one of his main reforms. I don't think it's that significant uh, economically compared to other uh, key uh, economic, technological issues, which are far less discussed. But that's really one reform that he has uh, really put forward that was really a, a centerpiece uh, in his uh, uh, in his manifesto. Uh, so he really has to to move uh, forward with it, and uh, he he's certainly willing to to do it uh, by force. Uh, obviously, he is uh, trying to uh, with his uh, prime minister to find an alternative solution, uh, gaining more support for, for from the the centre right, which has shrunk uh, a lot in uh, in recent years in France, uh, election after election. So we are really facing the um, the the challenge of a a very uh, uh, limited. Uh, uh, political uh, stage. Uh, also, uh, on this side, uh, unions are very little representative. And on all sides, people really are, are, are fighting for, um, I was about to say for survival, but let's say for political relevance in a, in a very challenging uh, uh, environment. So uh, obviously, the governor has to, to really move forward with uh, with this reform on uh, on political uh, grounds even though it's not that essential uh, economically speaking compared to to other uh, uh, fundamental uh, issues paul I, I saw you um, both shaking your head and and agreeing there on on the, this point that macron has already had to make concessions to the unions and and will he have to make yeah. any more i think he'll probably have to make some more whether they're made to the unions or more likely to the uh uh, Conservative Les Républicains, the opposition party, which is, uh, has always called for a, a later retirement age and therefore can hardly vote against it now. Uh, but but they're holding out for more concessions so that they can show that they, they want some social uh, uh, socially fair uh, uh, changes. And I think, yes, there are a couple of changes. They, he's already, um, they've already sort of conceded that people who start work uh, under the age of 21 shouldn't have to work uh, until 64 if they've if they've got their full contribution. So that's 43 years of contributions they'll need from 2027. Uh, then they should be able to retire. There are all other concessions that can be made. They've they've, they've already uh, made some amendments for women. Uh, one thing which I think is a big thing, and they may concede late on, although I'm told the Treasury is still resisting it, um, is the question. They've they've put out this headline number and said. The minimum pension from now on will be 1,200 uh, euros uh, a month, which would be quite a significant boost, about a 200 euro boost for the poorest pensioners. Um, and the question is, is that 1,200 net of tax or is it 1,200? Uh, but then they take off a, 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 a social deduction. Um, and so uh, that's still something that's in play and they may, may have to make a concession there. Uh, the, the issue about forcing it through, I mean, there is a French uh, legal provision that, that they, they can um, call a vote of confidence, essentially, and that they invoke this article of the Constitution, and the law is deemed to have passed unless the opposition manages to find a majority to overthrow the government. This is a minority government. It doesn't have a majority of its own. Therefore, it needs extra votes or extra abstentions to pass law. Um, so... Um, it's a possibility that the government could be toppled, be very unlikely, and it would require all of the opposition forces who hate each other almost as much as they hate Mr. Macron uh, to come together. More likely is they will be able to get 
all or most of Les Républicains uh, to vote for this bill with one or two more changes. Um, the, the, the cutoff date in Parliament under the procedure for the final vote is the 26th of March. So between now and the 26th of March, I think the government will has some concessions up its sleeve, which it will eke out uh, at key moments um, as it sees the number of strikers going down, the number of demonstrators going down. One thing that you are hearing today, uh, today is the third big protest day and strike day, uh, and the, the number of strikers and the number of street demonstrators appear to be slightly down, but it's by no means over. It's during a school holiday period, so there may be fewer people because of that and so on. But um, one thing that you, you are hearing from the more radical trade union leaders is talk of an all-out uh, strike that would be open-ended uh, and could be uh, uh, extended every day. Um, and that is something which obviously would cause serious damage over time to the economy, and particularly if they were to do things like blocking oil refineries to prevent petrol getting to gas stations and things like that. On the other hand, that might well split this united union movement, which is there at the moment in the streets protesting against this bill, because I don't think all of the unions will agree uh, to an open-ended general strike. So okay. uh, I, in, in my political judgment, the unions, although they have justice on their side in some of the points which, uh, which Rainbow um, mentioned, um, you know, they, they're, they're, they're on a losing track and they need to also work out what they can settle for or what okay. they, you know, at what point they call it quits. Okay. Uh, uh, Rainbow, pensions eat up 16% very nearly uh, of GDP compared to the EU average of 13.6 of and just over 12.6 in Germany. Now, the op opposition parties argue that the way to fund earlier uh, retirement is to make employers pay more through taxes, and, and that, of course, in a country that has the highest tax take in, in Europe after uh, uh, Germany. Is that a, a, a realistic solution? Are there other alternatives here? Uh, and if not, why not? If it's OK, I'd rather speak to the political aspect because I'm a political scientist, not an economist. Okay. Um, so I would rather respond to some of the claims about the feasibility of pushing this through. Um, it was mentioned earlier that the government might try to ram the legislation through using the bypass of parliament. I think even though they do have the option of doing that, I think it's very unlikely that they will. Um, they have done this repeatedly for the budgetary reforms that they've done throughout the autumn uh, legislative period. And the nature of this um, parliamentary override is that they are allowed to do it unlimited times for budget reforms, which is a big part of the legislative agenda. But after that, they can only do it one more time in a parliamentary session. So they would be using their, their last bullet in the gun, if you will. But I think this is a politically sensitive issue, and they've made it very clear that they don't want to go down that path, that they want to get a legislative consensus. So I think it is much more likely that they're going to try and go, go down the route of, of working with other political parties. But the Republicans are aware of the fact that on the one hand, this is very much something that they have been promoting for a long time. But at the same time, it's also an issue that isn't very popular in terms of public opinion. All the public opinion polls coming out say the majority of the country is against this. Right. So they are going to be a bit wary, I think, of propping up a minority government on something okay. that most voters stand against. Uh, let's put the question to, to, to Remy then. Are there viable alternatives to... Uh, later re retirement. Is, the, is there something that the government is missing here? Is the opposition right? 
Well, increasing uh, the contribution, as you uh, mentioned, uh, of employers or uh, current workers is uh, is an option. But the opposite is uh, is rather on the table, trying to to uh, rather lessen this uh, this burden, which is already. Um, too high, so it's not really uh, uh, discussed or just. I mean, uh, in, uh, you you just see a few uh, amendments that are proposed in that direction, but that's not taken really uh, seriously. But really, uh, considering the outlook for the uh, this burden, the burden of pensions, and uh, uh, in terms of GDP. Uh, um, it's actually expected to to drop and to uh, to align with uh, other European uh, countries uh, as a result of previous reforms. We've had already three rather major reforms uh, over the past 30 years now, and this one is not such a major reform in the end. It's it's more of an acceleration of, of previous reforms as far as the. Uh, um, the contribution time is concerned and uh, adjusting the uh, age of retirement. Um, but uh, the main uh, adjustments have already uh, been made to, to lower the, the burden um, on, on, uh, on active uh, workers, uh, the burden of uh, funding uh, um, uh, pensions. Uh, and the, the thing is also is you have a very uh, disrupted uh, job market, a very, very unequal, very unequal, as, as was uh, mentioned uh, before. Um, uh, lots of people who are below the age of retirement have absolutely no option to, to go back to work when they are uh, uh, fired. And uh, lots of people at any age, uh, whether educated or not, of course, it affects uh, uh, less educated people yeah. more, have uh, uh, very difficult access to the job market and are, are, cannot really expect to, to contribute to the system and uh, will be left out of it uh, at the end of their of their careers. So um, uh, uh, I think the issue of economic crisis, and we've been uh, okay. facing economic crisis after economic crisis in, in recent years, yeah. cannot be entirely uh, dismissed. It's not just a matter of uh, a matter okay. of uh, uh, fiscal um, uh, arithmetic right. uh, in the end. And uh, you can take uh, consider different uh, European countries, which would uh, yeah. implement exactly the same reforms, but it, in, if in the end it have very different uh, growth uh, yep. um, uh, path in terms I, of productivity, I, especially um, the, the outcome will be very different okay, in terms Remy, of the balance I, I, of the I, I, pension system. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Time, time is, is rapidly running out here. I want to get one more question in for, for, for Paul. Uh, how much money will raising the retirement age save? Is it going to plug the, the, the deficit in, in French pension funding? And would it save enough money for France uh, to spend in other areas? For instance, defence given the amount of money that the country is currently spending on, on, uh, on assistance with, for Ukraine? Well, that's not the intention of this reform. The intention is that the proposal will generate 18 billion euros in savings by 2030. Um, but that doesn't help with current defence spending or with aid for Ukraine. Um, and almost a, a third, in fact, perhaps more than a third, by the time they've made more concessions, of those savings will be redistributed um, to various different forms of disadvantaged groups, uh, people doing physically wearing things, exactly the things that, that Rainbow was talking about, the working class people who do uh, heavy labor and who need to uh, retire earlier. I think a big thing, I, I come back to this point, that yeah, we, France we is, less is, than is a minute, an exception. Less than a minute. Um, not just because of its bolshiness. It's also an exception because so few older people uh, are in work. 
And that's something the country needs to address. And this government um, is starting on that, but in a very kind of timid way. They want to introduce a, uh, an index um, of senior employment, as they call it, so as to, as to sort of name and shame the companies that, uh, that don't employ enough seniors. And the companies are screaming blue murder, saying, we don't want to be forced to, to employ more you know, quotas of old people and so on. But if you look at how Germany and the Nordic countries uh, handle this, they're much better at using uh, older workers as mentors, as people with experience, teaching younger people, partnering uh, apprentices, partnering uh, uh, novice workers and so on. And France needs to start doing that. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, not in the minds of people demonstrating today, unfortunately. Of course. Of course. Uh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to end it there. We are out of time. Thank you all. Uh, Remy Bourgeau, Paul Taylor and uh, Rainbow Murray uh, for being with us today. And that's it. This episode was produced by Joseph John, Laura Kahn, Michael Harwood and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Yasia Rahmani. The programme was edited by George Joseph, Lyndon Guyon and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in again on Wednesday for our next episode.